Let's thank all the musicians for making this just a really special day. Thanks, you guys. And let me just brag on the musicians for just a moment. You know, we've been sharing the Fairplex this weekend with the TV program America's Got Talent. How many of you have ever seen America's Got Talent? Well, anyway, they were here on the infield yesterday. You can see some of the remnants. I mean, it was just awesome. Yesterday, they had two buses stacked vertically up in the air that they were going to blow up while a burning car went through the explosion. And so they took the buses away. I was wishing they would like, keep them up there. It looks so cool. They got rid of all that. And so we had America's Got Talent. So they were here, and all their producers were here as our musicians were kind of doing their sound checks yesterday morning before their program was going to begin. And so one of the producers, the top producer, goes over to Pastor Jay, our Celebration Arts pastor, and they said, you know what, we producers have been listening to your groups all morning long, and we were wondering if you'd come down to Los Angeles and audition for us on Friday. So uh, we've, we've discovered them here at PFP Purpose Church, but now America might discover them as well. And I want to thank you for being here, especially if you're a visitor. Just like Eric and Sarah were, have, were saying, we're so glad that you're, hope that you feel right at home and part of our family uh, right off the bat. Um, just uh, so glad that you're here. We feel so honored that you'd spend part of your beautiful Easter Sunday morning with us here, studying God's word and worshiping together. We are so glad you're here. And finally, let's just thank God for an absolutely gorgeous day. Aren't we grateful? We've been doing this outdoors for 19 years, and we've never been rained out yet. We had the first year at the Epicenter in Ranch Cucamonga, the last 18 here at the Fairplex, and, in, and we started at the Epicenter, then we had one service here, then it's grown to two services here on Sunday morning, and in 19 years, we've never been rained out. Now, I have to admit, this was the one year that if we had been rained out, I think it would have been okay with all of us, wouldn't it? We need that rain, but we're so grateful God allowed us to be outdoors once again. And so as I just mentioned, America's Got Talent was filmed here uh, yesterday. And so those great judges of talent, people like Howard Stern was here, and Howie Mandel, and Heidi Klum, uh, my wife Kimberly, she's the supermodel, you know, and I asked my wife Kimberly the other day, I said, is it Klum or Klum, Heidi Klum or Heidi Klum? And she says from the other room, it's Heidi Klum. And then there's a pause for a moment. She goes, you know, most wives would ask next, why do you need to know that? Okay, so it is Heidi Klum, and they were here looking for talent. But let me tell you what real talent is. Real talent is that 2,000 years ago, a backwoods peasant Jewish carpenter was executed by the Roman government at the age of 33 after a public ministry of only three years, only a thousand days. And yet today, 2,000 years later, halfway around the world, here in America, uh, when someone, when one of us in the most sophisticated country in world history turns on our computer, it immediately shows us his birthday. Now that's talent. That's influence. How did that happen? That his coming 2,000 years ago split history between B.C. and A.D. 2,000 years later, billions of followers, the biggest movement in world history, the fastest growing movement in world history. How is it that one out of three people on the planet scattered all around the world, he made that kind of an impact? that 2,000 years later, we turn on our computers 
and immediately it shows his birthday. How did that happen? The answer is Easter. The answer is Easter. Would you turn with me to page four uh, there in your programs? And you'll see that the answer is Easter and what followed after it. Let me do a quick commercial. Tonight on NBC at nine o'clock this evening, there's going to be a start of a mini-series called A.D. And for the next 12 weeks on Sunday night, nine o'clock on NBC, it's going to tell what happened after Easter. What happened A.D.? B.C., before Christ, split all of history. A.D., in the year of our Lord. Uh, what happened A.D.? And that's going to tell us the results of that resurrection 2,000 years ago. The answer is Easter and what followed. And today we're going to do something that followers of Christ have been doing for 2,000 years. The last thing Jesus said to us after he rose from the dead and he ascended to heaven, the last command he gave was there in your study outline, Matthew 28, verse 18. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. During the last song, just like Pastor Eric uh, mentioned, we're going to give you a chance to come down those green fluorescent signs, to come down if you'd like to be baptized. Maybe something will stir in your heart, and you'll say, today I want to do what billions of people have done over the last 2,000 years, to publicly show that you're a follower of the resurrected Jesus Christ. And you can just come down there during that last song. I'll tell you when to do it. And you say, well, I didn't bring any clothes to do it. Well, we've got t-shirts. We've got shorts. We've got towels. We've got a changing area. And you, or you could just go home wet. Everybody in the Bible that got baptized went home wet. And this could be a way that you could either rededicate your life or show for the first time that you want to be a follower of Jesus Christ. He said, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. After the nine o'clock service, 40 people came down at the end of the service and showed in these baptism pools right here publicly that they want to be followers of Jesus. Jesus said, if you acknowledge me in front of other people, if you're unashamed of me in front of others, then I won't be ashamed of you when I come back someday. He said, but if you're ashamed of me before other people, I will say that I'm ashamed of you. I don't know you when I return someday. You know, Easter is a perfect day to be baptized because baptism is a picture of Easter. It's almost like a sermon within baptism that shows us what Easter is all about or Easter weekend. Paul writes in Colossians chapter two, for you were buried with Christ when you were baptized. So when you go under the water, it's like Good Friday when he died on the cross and he was buried and he stayed buried on, on Saturday. And I always say to people that if you really want to do the symbolism correctly, you go under the water on Friday and don't pop out until Easter Sunday morning. But nobody's taken me up on that yet. It says, buried with Christ when you were baptized. And with him, you were raised to new life, just like Easter Sunday, because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. In 1 Peter chapter 2, Peter writes, to this you were called because Christ suffered for you leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. Because Jesus was baptized, we follow in his steps, we follow his example by being baptized as well. Now what I want us to do is to look at the three days of Easter. You think of Easter as just one day, Easter Sunday. But it was actually over a weekend. Uh, there was Good Friday, the day he died. We call this the day of pain. And then there was Saturday. 
in between, which is the day he stayed buried. This is the day we're going to call of confusion. And then comes Easter Sunday, the day of victory when he rose from the grave. So really there were three days, the day of pain, Friday, the day of confusion, Saturday, the day of victory on Easter Sunday. And I believe that you are not here by accident. I believe that you're here this morning on this gorgeous day by divine appointment. I believe that the God that created the universe, that created those beautiful mountains, that created this beautiful day, I believe he gave you an invitation to meet with him right here, right now. It wasn't an accident that a family member or a friend invited you to come here today, or that you saw some advertising, you saw some publicity, and you came today. You are here by divine appointment. He wants to meet with you because you're, maybe you're in a day of pain today. Maybe you're going through a hard time, but if you're not, at some point in the future, we all do. Maybe you're facing today a day of confusion in your life where you just can't figure out what's going on and what God is up to in your life. And even if you're not in that day today, maybe things are going great. You're not confused. You know your direction. You're not in pain. Things are going great. But there will be some time in the future when you'll face that. Or maybe God will take these principles and you can share them with another person who's going through a time of confusion or pain. But what do you do to get through Friday, the day of pain, through Saturday, the day of confusion, to Easter Sunday, the day of victory? Let's start with Friday, the day of pain. Hebrews 2 says, because he, Jesus himself, suffered when he was tempted, he's able to help those who are being tempted. So we look at his example. We look in his footsteps. We follow in his footsteps. How do you do, what do you do in days of pain? Now, there are all kinds of unhealthy ways to deal with pain or boredom, or dissatisfaction, or disappointment in life. We know there are all kinds of unhealthy ways that we've tried or that other people have tried. There's actually a phrase for it. It goes like this. What happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. That's just a phrase for the unhealthy ways that we deal with pain. What happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. A week ago, Friday night, I went to the movies with my daughter uh, and her friend, and we were going to go see Cinderella. And so the two girls got in the line for popcorn. I said, I'll go on in and save seats for us. So I walk in. As I'm walking in, I realize, oh, here I am, an old guy walking in alone to Cinderella. But I think to myself, nobody's going to recognize me here. As soon as I walk in, Pastor Glenn, Pastor Glenn, you know, they calls out my name. I ran right over to her. I said, you know, my daughter and her friend are getting popcorn right now in the line. She knew exactly what I was doing. She said, oh, Pastor Glenn, don't worry. What happens in Cinderella stays in Cinderella. Okay. So what happens in Cinderella stays. I was glad because I was crying by the end of the movie. So I was glad that what happens in Cinderella stays in Cinderella. What happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. So let me ask you a question. What tends to happen when we deal with our pain in our life in unhealthy ways? We, it just brings more pain. We just get more pain unhealthy ways of dealing with pain and disappointment and hurt in life just leads us to, to more pain. Could there be a different way? Could there be a different way to deal with our pain? Uh, a month ago, I was uh, running around Lincoln Park. We live here in Pomona and there's a park and I like to run in circles around the park. That way I don't get lost quite as often as I do. when I run. Even when I'm running in circles, I still get lost. I shared that a couple of years ago, how I'm famous or infamous in my college cross-country team because I kept getting lost on my home course. And I had certain meets that were canceled because everybody followed me the wrong way into a swamp. And so they had to cancel the meet. So I have a very bad sense of direction. So I was running in a circle around Lincoln Park. And all of a sudden I hit a sprinkler head and went down hard. 
And I mean, I was all cut up. I was bleeding. I, I felt like I'd broken a couple of ribs on, on the right-hand side. And the worst part was how I hurt my pride because there were some kids playing nearby. And they were very alarmed. And they said, old man, are you okay? Are you okay? And I, you know, kind of got up and said, yeah, yeah, no problem. And then I limped home into the arms of my wife, Kimberly. So uh, it took me a whole month to heal up. Last week, I'm doing it again. I'm running in circles. I'm finally back to running after a month of healing up. I hit the same sprinkler head again. I go down, this time on the left side. Thought I'd broken a rib on this side. So at least I'm balanced in my bruising uh, on my body. And uh, as I limped home, the little thought came to me. Maybe I need to do something different, okay? Maybe there's a different way. Um, maybe I should sneak out here in the middle of the night and saw that sprinkler head to ground level, you know. Sorry, you know, it's so funny. The mayor of Pomona, Mayor Rothman, he was here at the nine o'clock service and sitting right on the front row. And, and I just made a joke about, oh, the mayor shouldn't hear that I said that, that I was gonna saw it off. Well, I didn't realize how, how does a mayor look at a story like that? All he saw was lawsuits. That's all he saw that. So he comes right up to me and he goes, look, you get an orange cone on that sprinkler and I will have somebody there tomorrow morning to deal with that sprinkler. I terrified the mayor of Pomona. He, I said, oh no, we're not going to sue you. He says, yeah, but somebody else might. So I better get that sprinkler head um, fixed up. Go and say, let's, let's try something different. If what you've been trying isn't working, is there a different way? Can we follow the example of Jesus with what to do in days of pain? First of all, you reach out to friends. You say, wait a minute, Glenn. You mean the Jesus, God in human form, the son of God? He didn't need anybody. If anybody could be a lone ranger, it would be him. Even Jesus needed friends. In his moment of pain, the night before it, in what we call the Garden of Gethsemane, he's praying before he faces the cross the next day, and he says to his 11 best friends, Judas is off betraying him. So he says to his 11 best friends, he says, please stay near me. I need my friends in this day of pain. Then Jesus went with them to the olive grove, or you could call it an olive garden, but that would be a restaurant. So we're going to call it the olive grove called Gethsemane. And he said, sit here while I go over there to pray. Would you just stay with me? He took Peter and Zebedee's two sons, his three best friends within the 11, uh, James and John, and became anguished and distressed. John, when he tells this account, said that he sweat drops almost like blood. He was sweating so profusely or possibly something was going on called hematodrosis, which medical researchers say that in moments of extreme anguish, you can actually sweat blood mixed with sweat. As a matter of fact, historians tell us that in World War I, just before they got the command to go out of the trenches into the withering machine gun fire to their certain death, that soldiers would experience hematodrosis where blood mingled with sweat on their foreheads, just like John described Jesus has here in his moment of anguish and distress. He told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. You know, sociologists are telling us that we as Americans are becoming so lonely and isolated. We're disconnected from each other. That our tendency in our pain is to get alone rather than run towards people, to run away from people. A lady, I was here at the Fairplex, and we were just looking it over a few days ago, and she talked to us, and she described herself as spiritually homeless. She said, I'm spiritually homeless. And maybe that describes you where you want to follow Jesus but you're spiritually homeless right now. Maybe God invited you here this morning to say to you, it's time to come home. 
It's time to come home. If you don't have a spiritual home where you can have other fellow Christ followers around you that can encourage you, can stand with you in your moments of need and in your moments of victory, then maybe it's time to come home and we would love uh, to be that home for you. That's why the saying of our church is finding purpose in Christ, in community with each other. That allows us to do it for the journey because we have each other to encourage each other. If you look through your program, you'll see over a hundred different ways that you can connect with other people and connect with others and, and be together with them. One of the best ways is on the back of your program in the upper right-hand corner. We have a thing called an experience, a 10-week experience called Rooted. And every few couple months, we take another group through Rooted. We're going to start one in a couple of weeks here. We just took over 500 people through Rooted that just finished up a week ago. And you look at that, and just about everybody that goes through Rooted says, even though I was lonely at the beginning of it, I felt connected with others by the time I finished. And I would highly recommend that to you, just as a way to get connected with God and to get connected with other people. And so you reach out to friends. Secondly, you reach out to God. You know, it's an interesting thing. Over 30 years as a pastor, I've watched people. It's very interesting how different people deal differently with pain. Some people, when they go through pain in life, they get angry at God and they run away from God. And others, when they experience pain or disappointment, instead of running away from God, they run towards God. Maybe you were hurt by a follower of Christ or you were disappointed in a church or maybe a pastor has hurt you in some way. Or maybe you lost a parent at an early age or something else devastating happened to you. And, and so many people in those moments of pain, they shake their fist at God they run away from God's people rather than towards connection with other Christ followers. It's interesting that the same sun that hardens clay will soften wax. And so the same sun of pain that hardens some people uh, against God and against followers of God, against the church, against fellow Christ followers, is the same one that will soften others and they run towards God rather than away from God. You know, on the day that Jesus was crucified, we see the three crosses up here. Jesus was in the center cross. And one side of him, on either side of him, were criminals crucified along with Jesus. And they were both going through the same pain of crucifixion. And yet the Bible tells us that each of these criminals reacted in diametrically opposite ways. One criminal, in his pain of crucifixion, turned on Jesus, cursed him, and he died with the cursing of Jesus on his lips. The other criminal turned to Jesus in his moment of pain. And instead of cursing Jesus, he called out to Jesus. And for that moment of faith, he died with the words of Jesus ringing in his ears, today you're going to be with me in paradise. What do we do in our pain? Does it drive us towards God or does it drive us away from God? Jesus, in his pain, turned to his heavenly father. You reach out to God. He went on a little farther and fell to the ground. He prayed that if it were possible, the awful hour awaiting him might pass him by. Abba, Father, he cried out. Abba in the Aramaic. Abba in the English means a Swedish rock band, okay? But Abba in the Aramaic means daddy. And when you, when you are in your moment of pain, you don't need fancy theological talk. You don't need fancy words. You don't need to come up with something theologically deep. You just, it's the cry of the heart, daddy. Daddy, he says to God, the Father. Daddy, he cried out. Everything is possible for you. Please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. It's what we call the Gethsemane prayer. 
There are three things to pray when you're in pain. Number one, we affirm God's power. Jesus said everything is possible for you. Secondly, we express your desire. Please take this cup of suffering away from me. There's nothing wrong with saying, God, this stinks. This is lousy. What I'm in, I want you to change it. I don't like this thing that I'm in or that I'm facing right now. God can handle our complaints. He's big enough to handle the crying out and saying, God, I don't like this situation. But then we go to part three. Offer your trust. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Friday, the day of pain, is followed by Saturday, the day of confusion. Can you imagine how confused the followers of Jesus were on that first Saturday? They thought he was the Messiah that would lead their armies to throw off the yoke of Rome. And now he's dead, and they're confused. It was a day of grief. Their best friend had just died. It was a day of regret. They're all looking at each other saying, couldn't we have stopped Judas Iscariot? Now that I look back on it with 2020 vision, hindsight, 2020, we could see the signs that Judas was going to do this, Judas Iscariot. Why didn't we stop him? They were a day of regret. It was a day of guilt. Why did we all desert him in his moment of need? It was a day of fear. They said if the Romans killed him on Friday, maybe they're coming after us on Saturday. And most of all, it was a day of confusion. They had built their whole lives around following Jesus and now he's dead. Saturday was a day of confusion. Now, Jesus had warned them. He had predicted this. He said in Matthew 26, verse 31, then Jesus told them, before the night's over, you're going to fall to pieces because of what happens to me. And that came true in verse 56. Then all the disciples deserted him and fled. How do I get through days of confusion? How do you get through a day when something just Everything's going great. And then something just drops out of the sky that's confusing and that throws us off of our game and and that we're confused by. I came across this story, read this this past week. It was an actual news story in the New York Times Magazine, actually reported as a true story. A crew was plucked out of the Sea of Japan, dazed and clinging to the wreckage of their sunken ship. Authorities jailed them after asking, What caused your ship to sink? To a man, each sailor claimed that a cow falling out of the clear blue sky landed on their ship, smashed through the deck, and sank the vessel. No doubt the disbelieving officials thought, okay, where's the sake? Get out the breathalyzer. They immediately threw the men in prison, certain they had to be lying. I mean, after all, a cow. The sailors remained behind bars for several weeks, confused and deeply discouraged, until the Russian Air Force called. The Russians prefaced their remarks with, we're not going to take any responsibility for this. They then informed the Japanese authorities that the crew of one of their large cargo planes had apparently stolen a cow that had been wandering around the edge of a Siberian airfield. The airmen had loaded the cow into the hold and hastily taken off, planning to take the animal home. No one had rigged the plane to carry live cargo. So while in flight, the frightened cow rampaged back and forth in the cargo hold. The flyers feared that the raging beast would cause the plane to crash. So to save the cargo, the aircraft, and themselves, they opened the cargo door and shoved the cow out at 30,000 feet over the Sea of Japan. The boat never saw it coming. Now, for you animal lovers, 
This story has since been debunked as urban legend. It was reported as true, so you don't have to feel bad for the cow, okay? No cows were hurt in the telling of that story. And so, but that illustrates what happens to us. Things will be going along great, and then a cow falls on you out of the clear blue sky. All of a sudden, where, where did that thing come from? Where did that medical problem come from? Where did that relational problem come from? Where did that financial difficulty or that job difficulty uh, take place? And how do we get through those days of confusion, the Saturdays of our life, the Saturdays of life? You thought that job was perfect for you, and then uh, you get fired from it, or you get downsized. You thought you were called to start that business, and now it's gone bankrupt. Uh, You thought that a move would be good for you. There'd be more opportunities someplace else than where you are, and now it hasn't turned out all that great. You thought you had married the love of your life, and now that relationship is falling apart. How do you handle and get through days of confusion? Here's the answer. You remember the promises of God. There are 7,000 promises in this book, the Bible, in God's Word, the Bible. 7,000 promises from God. Don't doubt in the dark what you knew to be true in the light. Second Corinthians chapter 1, Paul writes, for no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. Just like Eric was mentioning, next Sunday morning, we'd love to have you join us as we start this new series called The Hope Quotient. There's IQ, intelligent quotient, which brings success in life. There's EQ, emotional quotient, which brings success in life. But now they're finding out research, and the Bible is taught for thousands of years, and research is now confirming it, that the most important thing in life is your HQ. What is your HQ? Your hope quotient. And I'm going to start next Sunday to give you seven practical steps to increase hope in your life. And when you increase your hope quotient, everything else begins to fall in place in your life. Let me give you just one promise from God. And whatever it is that you're facing today, or maybe a person that you're going to meet this week, you're going to be able to give these two verses to them as a word of encouragement. Or maybe you'll need them in the future. Even if today things are going just great, sock this away, put this away in your mind uh, for a future time or for a friend that you might share this with this week. Think about that thing that you're going through that's hard right now. And here's a promise from God. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. I will be with you when you go through deep waters. I'll be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you, for I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Now let's just finish things up next page of your study outline. How do you get through the Fridays of pain, the Saturdays of confusion, to Sunday, the day of joy? How do I get to the days of joy? Here's the answer. You rely on the power of Jesus Christ. John 11, Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never, ever die. Paul writes in Ephesians 1, I also pray that you'll understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead. Philippians chapter 3, Paul also wrote, I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that one way or another, I will experience the resurrection from the dead. I want to lead you right now in a life-changing prayer. 
in the book written to the church at Rome called Romans chapter 10, verse 9, uh, the Apostle Paul wrote these words. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's not an accident you're here. In this moment, at this time, with this beautiful uh, scenery behind you, sitting here on this perfect day, God invited you for this moment. This is your moment of destiny. This is the moment that determines eternity. This is your moment. The most important question in life is, what will you do with Jesus? What will you do with Easter? And I want to lead you now in this prayer that you'll see just to the right of that verse I was just reading. And I'm going to read it out loud, and I invite you to pray it silently as I pray it out loud. Dear God, thank you for sending your son, Jesus Christ, to earth. You just pray this silently uh, to yourself while I pray it out loud. Dear God, thank you for sending your son, Jesus Christ, to earth. I believe Jesus was who he said he was and proved it by rising from death. I want to discover and begin following your plan and purpose for my life. I want to get to know you personally. Thank you, Jesus Christ, for dying for me and forgiving all my sins. Right here, right now, noon, April 5th, 2015, Easter Sunday, 2015, right here, right now, I receive you. I open up my heart. I don't want to harden it like clay. I want to soften it like wax. And so I open up my heart right now and I receive you as my Lord and Savior. Thank you so much for your free gift of eternal life. And I pray this in Jesus' name and all God's family said, amen. Hey, if you prayed that prayer, we've got a gift, an Easter gift we would love to give to you. It's called Unwrap Your Gift. And as you leave in a few minutes after we just have a couple of songs and then we're done. And as you leave at one of the entrances, now they're exits. As you go down, you'll see a table that says yes to Jesus. You'll see a big sign that said, I said yes to Jesus. Yes to Jesus. And there are piles of these. And please, no obligation, no pressure. Just grab one of these as a free gift from us to you. If you'd like to talk to somebody or, or pray with somebody there, there'll be somebody there you can talk to, but you don't need to at all. You can just go by and pick this up. And these are resources, helpful resources to help you in your walk with God. And then along with that, maybe this is crazy, but something stirred within your heart. And the last thing in the world you thought you were going to do when you came here was to follow Jesus in baptism. You say, Glenn, I, I got my, my Easter clothes on here, you know. And you know what? Um, right, you just come right down here when the young lady starts singing the, this final song. You see the lime green signs right over there. You just go over there along with anybody that would like to see you. Maybe you got some family and friends with you and they'd like to see you. Good friend of our family, Frank, uh, the good friend of our daughter, Rebecca, he received Jesus last Sunday night at the Claremont campus. And Pastor Eric led him to Christ. And he said, I want to be baptized. And and uh, he's going to go over there, and he's going to be baptized. And he's, Frank, I think it's okay if I say you're in a wheelchair, you know? And I, and I told Pastor Eric, I said, don't get the electric wheelchair too wet, okay? We don't want to ruin it. But he's going to get you as wet as we can without getting your wheelchair wet, Frank. And Frank's going to wheel over there, and he's going to get baptized. And, and, and maybe you just feel like something's stirring, and you want to take that stand for Jesus, either for the first time 
or you did it years ago, but you've been through some stuff and you'd like to reaffirm your walk with Jesus uh, here today. Uh, as they sing, we just invite you to come right over there to those green signs and people will greet you and tell you what to do as we have baptisms in these uh, final songs. God bless you and have a wonderful Easter Sunday.